Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. morning. Good morning. Uh, I like that last song we sang, right? I saw a few people actually almost dance there. Um, well, we are continuing our series, our sermon series that we began almost two months ago, looking at the life of Moses. If you're new with us today, uh, that's the sermon series we're in, in the book of Exodus. And so uh, if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open it to Exodus chapter 5. And uh, last time that we left Moses, uh, they, uh, were, um, they had spoken to the people of Israel and they had let them know that God was on his way. But the next step in the story is a little bit unexpected. For when God shows up, things get a little difficult. So let's stand and hear from God's word from Exodus chapter 5. Uh, we'll have it up on the screens for you as well. We'll, we'll be skipping around a little bit uh, for the sake of time to, get, uh, to read the relevant portions. So let's begin reading in Exodus chapter 5. This is God's word. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the the people of the land are now many. And you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they, make in the, they, that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it, And pay no regard to lying words. And skipping down to verse 15. Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants. Yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and you have put a sword in his hand to kill us. And Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? 
For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from, the slavery, from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak clearly to us through it. May we not be like Israel who would not hear you, but may we open our ears to hear your voice and respond with faith and obedience. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I graduated from seminary, like most young seminarians, I was pretty convinced that God was going to do something great. Uh, I, we had ideas about what that was supposed to look like, uh, but all the options that we explored as we uh, got out of school uh, fell through and never materialized. But after a few months, uh, a representative from, the, from a church planting network in Texas and the Southwest approached us and said, we want to invite you to come plant a church in North Texas back in our home state. So the Lord had finally answered our prayers by giving, uh, giving us a calling, giving us a job. And so here's how church plant, I told, how, uh, I told the Lord how church planning was going to go. Uh, I'd received a great education, I was gifted, ready to go, and so I figured we'd show up in, uh, in this new town, set up shop, start preaching, and God would make a church appear out of nowhere. Well, it didn't quite work out like that. The uh, core group that, we, that the mother church had said would be there and that was kind of ready to be boots on the ground to get things started was actually not the six to eight people that they said. It was actually one couple. Uh, that one couple told us after our first meeting, by the way, we're moving uh, out of state in about six months. So we'll help you get things started and then we're out of here. Um, we managed to take, after we built up a, a few people, the, the friends that we made uh, announced to us shortly after we started that they were going to find a new church. Uh, we were able to whittle the core group down to just one lady at one point. It was really encouraging. Uh, the Lord provided some more folks and we, we were able to get back, back up to about 50 people and we were able to start worship services and after we, after we launched worship services, six days later, Lisa's father passed away very suddenly at the age of 61, which left a huge gaping hole in our personal life. And so here we were, we had two babies, personal loss, and a 
baby church that was just embers that, right, we, that, that needed to be fanned into flame. And what was so hard about it was that it seemed as if the difficulties in our life had come about because we had followed the Lord. In other words, obedience to the Lord seemed to increase and intensify the difficulties and the suffering in our life. In our story, uh, at the end of the last chapter, as we saw, Moses and Aaron had gathered together the elders of Israel, and they had told them the news that they had been waiting to hear for 400 years. Guess what, guys? God has visited us, and now it's time for him to deliver us out of the hands of the Egyptians. Can you imagine the joy that, that the elders and the Israelites would have felt in hearing that news? Finally, we've been waiting for 400 years, and God is finally here, and he's finally going to act. And so they hear that Moses and Aaron, hey, tomorrow, guys, we're going to go into Pharaoh. We're going to tell him to let the people go. And so just buckle your seatbelts, because get, get ready to be delivered. Get ready to be free. But unfortunately, that's not what happens, is it? Moses and Aaron go into Pharaoh, and instead of life getting better for the Israelites, it gets a lot, lot worse. Their suffering actually increases as a result of the fact that God is now involved in their situation in a way that he hadn't been before. And chances are you've, you've probably felt a similar frustration in your relationship with God as well. You step out in obedience, doing what you believe to be the right thing to do, but then everything seems to get worse as, instead of getting better. We have this suspicion, that, uh, this belief that if I follow the Lord, then life should go well for me. Things should fall into place. Things should work out. But oftentimes, it doesn't. We follow the Lord and things get harder or worse. You take a new job, for example, and weeks into the job, you realize, oh my goodness, this is not what I thought it was going to be. My boss is not who I thought he or she was. You and your, your spouse decide to have kids and you're met, not, you're met with infertility and the conflicts between the two of you that that creates. Um, you get married and your spouse is unfaithful. You confront someone in love. You, you have that difficult conversation with someone and after you've prayed about it, after you're, you're convinced that it's the right thing that the Lord wants you to do to have this conversation with this person, it completely blows up. And the relationship is, is, uh, is damaged as a result of it. You think, if this is what obedience to God gets me, why should I continue to follow him? If obedience to God is going to lead to more suffering, to lead to, more, to an increase in difficulties in my life, why should I continue to give my life to him? But friends, we should be prepared for that type of intensification and in suffering as we follow the Lord. We should be prepared for that kind of intensification and suffering because God has bigger plans for us than our own personal comfort. God has bigger plans in store for us, and because He has bigger plans in store for us, often in the intensification of suffering follows as we, as we follow Him in obedience. But what are those plans? What are, what are the things that God could possibly accomplish through an increase in suffering in our life. Well, I want us to see three ways this morning that God uh, accomplishes His good purpose in our life through an increase in suffering. 
There are a lot of other things that we could say about this, but these are three that we see in our passage today that I want us to see. And my, my hope is that we would be more prepared for those times when suffering will, will increase in our lives and not be surprised by it, but to be prepared for it. So first, the first thing that God does through an increase in suffering is He wants you to see the true nature of your enemy. He wants you to see the true nature of your enemy. So after a long while of preparation, the, the time has finally come for Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh. And he does that in verse 1 with this great and famous phrase, right, that you've heard ever since Sunday school, let my people go, right? So he does that and Pharaoh responds. And in his response, we see a, we learn a couple of things about Pharaoh. And ultimately, we learn a couple of things about Satan, who is actually the one who is behind Pharaoh, as we'll see in just a minute. But uh, the first thing that we learn is that this battle between the Lord and our enemies is actually a battle between two rival gods. It's a battle between two rival gods. Uh, you see, the Egyptians believed that Pharaoh was either divine or a, a step closer to divinity than everybody else, every normal Egyptian. And so the, to the everyday citizen of Egypt, the Pharaoh was central to the survival of society. He settled legal disputes. He officiated religious ceremonies. He defended people from the enemy, from the enemies around him because he had the army, right? He, be, he was believed to have the power to hold back all of the chaos and all of the bad things that could happen to you. That's Pharaoh who promised to be able to do that. He was the source of food. He was the source of comfort. He was the source of security. And anything good in your life, you had to get from Pharaoh. And so when Moses and Aaron come, with, come to him with a demand from the Lord, from another God, that's the way that Pharaoh hears it. He hears it as a challenge from a rival deity, which is why he responds, who is the Lord? I don't know him. And so because I don't know him, I don't have to obey his voice because I'm in charge here and the people of Israel are my people and I'm not going to let them go. So he doesn't have to obey. This is a, this is a battle between two gods. It's not just uh, the Lord versus another human being. He wants them to see that this is actually a battle of divinities. But the other thing that we see is we see that our enemy has a goal. Pharaoh has a goal in what he's doing here, as does our enemy as well. And so Pharaoh, in his response, he imposes this burden on the people. He tells them to make bricks without straw. Uh, bricks were essential to the Egyptian empire. Uh, to give you an example, one of the, one of the pyramids that, that uh, you know, you've seen in pictures for sure, for sure, they're made up of about 25 million bricks. And so if you're going to make uh, a, a, a 25 million brick pyramid, you need a lot of brick makers, right? And a, and a brick maker could make about uh, apparently 3,000 bricks in a day, working all day with someone uh, sitting over top of them. And so uh, they would mix this straw in with the clay, which would, able, which would be able to make the bricks harder and more durable. But normally, another contractor of sorts would provide the straw for the brickmakers, and so the brickmakers didn't have to go very far to collect the straw and mix it in with their clay and then make their bricks. But now Pharaoh says, look, I'm not going to provide the straw for you, so you need to go look for it for yourself, then bring it back to the brickmaking factory and mix it in. But notice that Pharaoh does not want to get more productivity out of the Israelites. 
This isn't a business decision for him where he says, you know what, I can, instead of getting 3,000 bricks a day, I want 3,500 bricks a day. No, he says, you're going to pr- produce the same for me, but it's going to be harder for you to produce the same thing for me. If you're a boss in this room, that, that doesn't make sense to, to do that, to, 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 to lay an extra burden on your employees uh, and get the same amount of productivity. It's just going to wear them out. So he must have some other goal in mind, and he tells us in verse 9 what it is. He says, Let heavier work be laid on the men, so that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. What are the lying words that he doesn't want them to hear? The words from God. He wants them to hear the words from God and to be so busy and so burdened serving Him that when they hear God's word, they think, that's a lie. What Moses and Aaron are telling us is not true. God's not going to deliver us. God's not here to save us. And so he wants them to be heads down in their work, so burdened that they will think the words of God, that the word of God is a lie. Does that sound familiar? You remember the first thing that Satan told Eve in the garden? It was, has God really said you can't eat from any tree in the garden? He makes Eve think, you know what? Has God really said that? Makes her think, are the words of God, can I trust the words of God? Maybe I can't. Maybe God doesn't have good purposes for me. And so this rival God wants you to believe that the words of God are lies. That's the goal of our enemy. And, he, and, um, and so what God does here is he increases the suffering of the people so that they will see what Pharaoh is up to. They will see that he doesn't have their best, best interest in mind and that, in fact, he is going to lay increasingly heavy burdens upon them to, to get more obedience out of them, to get more service out of them. And so that's, that's what God does for us today too, friends. He often can increase the suffering in our lives so that we will see the emptiness of the rival gods that want to capture our attention and to capture our service. Let's use one example. Take money. Like Pharaoh, money promises to solve all of our problems, doesn't it? Settles legal disputes. It, you've been dealing with motorcycles all day. Sorry about that. Um, it settles legal disputes. It promises to defend us from enemies like poverty and hunger and discomfort. It promises to keep us safe. And so we collect it and we, and we hoard it and we, and we think, you know what, if, if everything could go wrong in my life, but at least I'll have something to protect me from the things that I'm really afraid of. But it isn't until we begin to lose it. It isn't until we begin to have it stripped away from us that we begin to see just how empty it is. That it can't satisfy us because we always want more of it, right? That it can't solve our most difficult and pressing problems. It can't heal your marriage. It can't bring back a lost child. It can't It can't help you on your deathbed because when you breathe your last breath, it's all gone. And so the Lord mercifully at times begins to take things away from us in which we put our trust, in uh, in which we go to for security and comfort so that we will see what they really are. Rival gods who want us to believe that the words of God 
our lives. And for you, it may not be money, it may be respect or success or sex or your career or any number of other pharaohs that promise to give you security and comfort. But because God loves you, He is going to increase the suffering in your life so that you will see them for what they really are. But when we turn away from these false gods, we got to go somewhere else, right? We can't just turn into the nothingness. we got to turn somewhere. And so that's the next thing that I want you to see that God accomplishes through an increase in suffering. He increases the suffering in our life so that we will cry out to Him. We'll cry out to Him. Let's see that in our text. This increase in suffering in the lives of the Israelites leads to a response from them. And the first thing they do is they go to Pharaoh. They say, boss, why are you doing this? <laughs> you're asking us for the same number of bricks and you're not giving us the things that we need to, to do our job. But what do they get from Pharaoh? They only get more accusation and rebuke. He says, the only reason you guys want to go worship is because it's going to get you off of work for three days. And you're idle, you're lazy, and so get back to your burdens. And so the, the first place they go, they don't get any help. So the next thing they do is they go to Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, it says they were waiting for them outside of Pharaoh's, uh, outside of Pharaoh's uh, house, which is interesting. You wonder what Moses and Aaron were hoping would happen if they went in there. But, uh, so they go to Moses, but uh, the, um, what they get from, uh, what they tell Moses is, look, you're making our life more difficult here. Now, ever since you arrived on the scene, we have, our work is more difficult and more challenging, and now we stink in the sight of Pharaoh, which, you know, they, they preferred to have Pharaoh on good terms with them so that he could, at, at least if he didn't like them, he wasn't going to make their life more difficult. But now Moses is making life hard for them. And so they go to him, but they, they, they don't get a solution when they go to Moses. And so what God is doing here is he's walling off all of their escape routes so that the only thing that they have left to do is to cry out to the place, to the one to, who is the only one who can solve their problems, to cry out to the Lord. And we see Moses do that in verse 22. Look at what he says. He says, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. I wonder if any of us have ever been so honest with the Lord as Moses is here. God, why are you doing this to me? Why did you send me here? Why did you put me in this situation? Because it seems like ever since you put me in this situation... The only thing I get is evil. And so what we see here from Moses is we see this, this incredibly, brutally honest response to God, but a, a very trusting response to God. He trusts God enough to bring him his honest complaints. See that in the ministry of Jesus as well, don't we? When he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is facing his death on the cross in just a matter of hours, he has come, he is face to face with the very thing that God has sent him into the world to do. And yet, what does he pray? God, if at all possible, take this cup away from me. Please don't send me through this. But not my will be done, but, but thy will. 
I wonder how many of us are equally trusting and honest with God, or if we, whenever we are faced with an increase in suffering in our life, if we go to almost anywhere else but God. Do you, when life gets hard, what do you do with that? Do you pretend it's not really as hard as, as it is and just kind of sweep it under the rug and ignore it? Do you busy yourself with other things, just try to stay occupied so that you don't really have to think about the thing that's nagging at your soul? Do you go shopping? Do you search the internet for articles after articles to try to help you with whatever it is that you're struggling with? Thinking that the next one is going to be the, the ticket that's going uh, to help you out and going to give you what you need? Do you have a drink? Maybe two? Do you create a pros and cons list? Do you talk to friend after friend after friend? All of the, you know, those things can, can be good. You know, it's, we, God wants us to do research, to talk to friends about our burdens, but do you go to the Lord? Do you cry out to Him? What does that look like? Well, it looks like just cry, like you would crying out to your, to your parents and saying, help me, putting into words the anxieties that you feel in your own heart. Do you call out to him and say, God, please help me. I don't know what's going on here. I need your help. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm at my wit's end. I need you to come into my life. Do you say those things? Do you allow those words to come out of your mouth? God may be increasing the suffering in your life so that you will do that, so that you will go to him and cry out to him and say, God, please help me. Deliver me from this. So God wants you to see the, the true nature of your enemy, but he, and he also wants you to cry out to him. But there's one more thing that I want you to see this morning that's behind why he increases suffering in our lives, and that is because he wants us to long for heaven. He wants us to long for heaven. Heaven is something we often think, well, once I'm close to heaven, then I'll think about it. <laughs> Until then, I've got enough to keep me busy and occupied here. But God wants you to, to realize that heaven is actually being shot through this world because God has come into this world and God has drawn near to us and so that we can taste and see the Lord, which means that we can taste and see heaven here and now. After Moses cries out to God, the Lord reminds him of who he is. He reminds him of where he's taking his people. He reminds him of his name, that great I am, the only God who has the power to do what he's promised. He reminds him of his covenant. He reminds him of his promises that he's made to his people. And then he says, I want you to remind them that I'm taking them to the, to the land that I promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And not only that, I'm taking them to the land where he says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see, the land of Canaan was, uh, was special, not because it was fertile or not because uh, it was a uh, wonderfully uh, beautiful place to live, but because God was there. and Because God would be together with his people there. And so what this intensification in Egypt does is it makes their current situation untenable. It makes it impossible to continue to live there as they had lived up until then. And so they, were, they had to lift up their eyes and lift up their hearts to be able to see what it is that God had held out for them, what God, it is, what God had promised for them. 
But there's a warning for us in verse 9. It says that even though Moses spoke all these words to the people, even though he said, remember the Lord, remember his promises, remember his covenant, it says they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. That can happen to us, can it? Where life gets so overwhelming, so difficult that we, we allow it to block up our ears and not be able to hear the words that God wants to speak to us to give us hope, to allow us to lift up our eyes and to see something beyond what we're faced with right now. And so, friends, if that's you right now, don't let that suffering stop your ears. Let it tune your heart to hear the music of heaven. Let it push your eyes forward to what God has promised to you in the age to come. There's a scene at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy that illustrates how suffering can make us long for heaven. At this point in the story, if you're familiar with it, the ring of power has been destroyed. All of the enemies and all the evil forces are are finished. And the characters here, Samwise, Gamgee, and uh, Gandalf, begin to feel the joy that can only dawn after you've been through the darkness. Listen to what he how Tolkien writes it. He says, But Samwise lay back and stared with open mouth. And for a moment, between bewilderment and great joy, he could not answer. At last he gasped, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed. And the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment, for days upon days without count. It fell upon his ears like the echo of all the joys he had ever known. But he himself burst into tears. Then, as sweet rain will pass down a wind of spring and the sun will shine out the clearer, his tears ceased and his laughter welled up, And laughing, he sprang from his bed. How do I feel, he cried out. Well, I don't know how to say it. I feel, I feel, and he waved his arms in the air. I feel like spring after winter and sun on the leaves and like trumpets and harps and all the songs I have ever known. That kind of joy, friends, can only dawn in the hearts of those who have carried the heaviest sorrows and griefs. You will only know that kind of joy if you felt the burdens of this life. And friends, heaven is great because in heaven we will get to see the one who carried our sorrows, the one who bore our griefs, the one whose voice promises that there every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more mourning or death, or anything evil. And so if you find yourself in a moment where suffering has increased in your life, let it push you to the one who promises to take it away. Let it push you to Jesus, who has taken it away from his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our lives are often full of sorrow 
pain, disappointment and loss, unmet expectations, unfulfilled longings, dashed hopes. And too often we have tried to ease that pain ourselves, looking to the empty promises of this world to give us life and healing. But you, O Lord, have been faithful to us. You have pursued us in order that through through the suffering and difficulties of this life, you might accomplish your good purposes for us, your people. Teach us to turn from our natural ways. Tune our hearts to listen for the joys of knowing you. And prepare us for whatever road you have ordained for us. And bring us safely to the place where everything sad will indeed come untrue. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogotá.org.